Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, it is. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Coming to you live, as always, from the Seaport District at Pier 17. Brought to you by Chase on a rainy day in New York. Earlier this morning here in this building, it was my pleasure to welcome the commissioner of the National Hockey League, Gary Bettman, to our set on television as tonight the Stanley Cup playoffs get underway and you will see the entire ride from this moment all the way through till someone skating around with the cup triumphantly over their heads on ESPN and ESPN2. And the commissioner is good enough to spend a few minutes with us here again on ESPN Radio. Good morning again, Gary Bettman. Good morning. You you do it all. All media is uh, your uh, province, and that's great to see. Well, it, it is it is an honor to do it, and we had a little fun this morning, and we'll have a little more fun here. And, and we talked about a few things today, and we can get into some of those again here for the audience that wasn't with us, and then dive into a few new directions. But the biggest change, I have to believe, for this year versus the last two, as as there was something that is completely different, of course, about the Stanley Cup playoffs, as is, I guess as is the case in any sport, the intensity is ratcheted up. And for the first time in what I guess amounts to three years, you will have full buildings in which to do that. What what does that mean for you, and what, is it, what does it mean for your sport? It, it, it's nothing short of sensational. It's great for our fans and the communities in which we play. This represents a real return to normal. And, uh, you know, uh, and as anybody who goes to one of our games or watches it on television, our game and our players draw an incredible amount of energy and excitement from our fans in the building. It's just you know, we think it's the best experience. We we believe that our playoffs have nothing comparable, particularly our first round, because it's so unpredictable. And there's an emotion and energy and excitement that just comes with having our buildings full again. And, you know, it's interesting because I hadn't thought of this when we chatted this morning. But very early in the pandemic, I remember I did a special in which I interviewed the commissioners of multiple sports. And, Gary, you were good enough to be one of them. And we spent a bunch of time talking. And, and no one knew where anything was going to go then. This was like June of 20. And, and I'm sure you and all the others, you were just sort of in the infancy of figuring out where it's all going to go. Now that we, as you just say, this feels like the beginning of something new. And I agree. Um, how, how, how would you sort of... D- Describe what this has been for, for, for you, for the, for the NHL, for the sport. Like we've all, we've all changed, I think, so much in the last two years. How, how has it been for the NHL? Well, the, it, it's been a never-ending cycle, not just for the NHL and for sports, but for everybody. We've all lived different existences. Our social interaction has been nothing like it's ever been before. We've all learned how to work differently. And, and from, I guess, focusing on us uh, and a league and a sports standpoint, we, we needed to learn a lot of things. And we had to be agile and flexible enough to deal with whatever was dropped in our laps. And, you know, as you were asking me this question, I started thinking about being in the bubble in Edmonton, where I presented the Stanley Cup two two cups ago. And walking into the first game I did in the bubble and being in an empty arena, as great as I'm explaining having a full arena is, when you compare it to an empty arena, it, it kind of gives me the chills again, thinking about everything we've all had to do, the sacrifices that people have made. Our players, when, when Tampa won the cup in Edmonton two cups ago, I think they were away from home and, and locked up for more than two months. There was a lot of sacrifice, but again, 
we're just, you know, a microcosm of everything that was going on in the world. And for us, we felt we owed it to our fans and to our communities and to the game to give people a sense of normalcy, um, even while we were in a very abnormal time. And I got to tell you, the cooperation from everybody in the NHL family, whether it was the players or the Players Association, executives at the team, and from my standpoint, most importantly, the support I got from ownership, this was the ultimate team collaboration to get through this. That's really well said. It's such an interesting insight. And just one more quickly on that thought, which is sometimes you don't appreciate how much something means to you until it is taken away. And and I think a lot of people, those of us who sort of make our, not just our living, but our lives in sports, like it's such, it's so disproportionately important to me, um, you know, than, 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 than other things that, that I think when something like that is taken away, you, you, you have a sort of a renewed appreciation for it. Well, it gives it gives you perspective. Although, frankly, I think we all could have done with a lot of perspective that we got over the last two years. But even even now, with return to work and you know, um, both of us being in New York City, um, things have not yet returned back to normal. People aren't all back in their offices. Uh, there's a lot more remote work going on. There's not quite as much interaction as there had been three years ago. Although it's getting better. In improving but you know whether it's personal relationships or family or how you do your job a lot of things uh, got a lot of scrutiny and there were a fair amount of changes that we're all living with now right. terrific to have gary bettman with us here espn radio uh, nhl uh, stanley cup playoffs begin tonight on espn and espn2 and i was thinking a lot about the legendary islander teams that i grew up watching Recently, when Mike Bossy died, and, and I think that sort yeah. of segues us into this, we have Tampa Bay that is trying to three-peat, and they would be, if they can do it, the first team since that team, that legendary group that the Islanders had in the late 70s and the early 80s, to win more than two in a row. What, what is, the, what is the, the significance of that? Well, a couple of things. One, it reminds me that I think you were always a big Islander fan, and apparently that focus hasn't changed. Uh, you know, it's interesting because I think our competitive balance has been extraordinary. When you look at how the races come down to the wire in terms of seeding and who makes the playoffs, uh, it's extraordinary, and our, our playoffs are completely unpredictable. And we're going to see that starting tonight. Uh, so... To be able to repeat uh, when there is such incredible uh, competitive balance, or even going back into the 80s with the Islanders, the rigors and how grueling it is, there's no championship harder to win physically and mentally than the Stanley Cup. And to do it year after year where the summer gets shorter and shorter and, and everybody's gunning for you um, make, makes it an incredible challenge. And if, if Tampa uh, is able to do it a third time in a row, it will truly be remarkable. But there are 15 other clubs that are going to have some say in that. And the road to the Cup this year is, is going to be extraordinarily hard, especially when you look at the way the game is being played now. There is so much offense, and you and I discussed this earlier this morning, there's the level of skill and speed that we have in the game now, the number of comeback victories that we're seeing throughout the regular season, I'm sure we'll see 
in the playoffs where no lead is safe uh, is almost at record proportions. Uh, most important in all of that, it's going to make our game even more entertaining and exciting than it usually is. One more thought for you here before I let you go, because I think my favorite tradition in sports is one that, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if it was your idea, but I think you instituted it, which is that every player, when they win the Stanley Cup, they get to spend a day with it. I, I, do I have that right? Was that, was that your idea? Well, it, it, there had been a tradition of sharing the cup and passing it around. Uh, I, if I get credit for anything, it's making sure the cup keeper's with it so that uh, no harm befalls okay. the Stanley Cup, even if it's accidental. Uh, but it's made it, it's made it more structured. Yeah. And, yes, everybody formally gets a day, and, and the cup gets more frequent flyer mileage than you can imagine. Um, you know, I, th- I think, you know, tomorrow I'm going to Guy Lafleur's state funeral. Yeah. I actually think he, he took the cup and hit it once. Uh, <laughs> and so there, there, there are stories, you know, that go back through the more well more than 125 years of the Stanley Cup. Uh, but we've kind of institutionalized it in a little more rigorous, Fair. disciplined basis, which has been great because the cup goes everywhere. It goes into communities. It goes to hospitals. It goes to first responders. Uh, it spends the day with families. There is a real... I describe it as a charisma, which is a crazy thing to say about an inanimate object, uh, but there's nothing like the Stanley Cup anywhere in sports. I'm with you. And you see the guy with the white gloves and he's got it all the time. We've had him yeah. here at ESPN and all that. So, so I, I knew there was that you had, so you were the one who formalized it. I was aware that it's been going on. I didn't know everyone got it all the time. But that, that was going to be my question. What's your favorite story of all the someone had a cup and this happened stories? I guess of the ones you can tell on the radio, which is your favorite? Well, you know, the, the, there are multiple. There, you know, there's the Stanley Cup at the bottom of Mario Lemieux's pool. Uh, there's a bit which I won't get into when it was on the Howard Stern show, uh, and I got and I got calls from owners thinking that what they were describing was really happening. Uh, but 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 you know, to me, the most important thing is when you bring the cup into a room of people, it it, it has. It, it, it's it's unbelievable. It has a presence like like nothing you've ever seen. Sure. People are in awe of the cup, and you know there's nothing like it because we don't make a new one every year. This is the original. This is the real deal. You get your name engraved on it when you win it, and it makes you immortal, like the cup itself. And the players won't touch it. Like we had, I remember many many years ago when the cup was here. We used to have Rob Ray on the old show and Mike and Mike all the time. And when the cup was here, Mike and I took, took pictures with it and everything. But he wouldn't touch it because he had never won it. And he was, if, you, if you've never won it, he said he wouldn't even touch it. Well, actually, on the flip side to that, I was once in an event where the cup was there and a player who was not recognized by the cup keeper went to pick it up. And he goes, what are you doing? He goes, you can't touch that. And he goes, let me show you my name. <laughs> well, you know what? When, when all is said and done, the, there is just speci- such a special quality what our players do night in and night out. Um, and and the way our fans connect with the game with with a, an emotion and an avid response that is just incredible makes this for me the most exciting time of the year uh, and it starts tonight and again you'll see all the action on espn and espn2 beginning tonight and tomorrow commissioner it's a pleasure thank you best of luck along this road and we will catch up again soon thank you thanks for having me be right, well it's gary bettman the commissioner of the nhl so I had heard the stories that, you know, going back to the legendary players, but I didn't, I, I think that what he instituted, I, 
I think that every player gets a day mm. I, was not always the case. No, it doesn't sound like it. And, 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 and so I think he, that was it. One way or another, yes. I like those stories. What a way to spend a day. Most of them you can't tell on the air. Yeah. Well, that, that's a good topic for on the air. Like, we used to do that on a rainy day topic. If you had the cup for a day, what would you do with it? <laughs> you know, it's a, fun, it's a fun thing to talk about and it's oh, a yeah. fun thought to have. Hey, the ESPN Daily Podcast brings you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters every single day. It's presented by Supercuts. It's available wherever you get your podcast. All right, a million things to get to. Back to the draft, back to the NBA playoffs, and we'll do a green light as well. As we continue, it's Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Mike Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. And what's on your mind is brought to you by My Computer Career, training for a better life. We'll find out what's on the guys' minds here as we go through sort of our draft takeaways. And Hembo, you put together a series of questions for me about the draft, and I thought we could go through some of those now because, you know, we'll go a little big picture. One of the things about the draft that's hard to do and I saw people were asking, you know, how come we didn't talk more about some of the big picture stories? One of the things that the research they've done on the draft has shown is that the viewers just want the picks. And they can get a lot of people commenting on a lot of things in a lot of different places. But when the draft is going on, they want the picks. And so when they're coming in, we just sort of stayed with them. And as a consequence, I've not really been able to chime in in a big picture way on almost anything that has happened. So this would give me a chance to do it. So what is the first question you have for me? Greeny, do you think the Patriots are now the worst team in the AFC East. I do not believe they will have the worst record in the AFC East. I think they may have the worst roster in the AFC East. Like, I think top to bottom, well, it's kind of hard for me to say that. They've lost a lot of guys, and, and I'm not sure the, the, the who have they replaced them with. Like, I'm a Mac Jones believer. If you told me right now I could have Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, or two at put Buffalo in a different class. I mean, obviously they're not even worth talking about. But if you told me I could have Tua, Zach, or Mac as my quarterback right now, who would you take of those three? 
knowing knowing just what we know now and nothing more, and I'm telling you, you could have any of those three guys as your quarterback right now. Who would you take? I would take Mac Jones just because we've seen at least some high level play for a at least small period of time. I couldn't say that about the other two. Yeah, that's tough. Because that's such an important piece of the puzzle. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say one way or another, the only way to define the worst team in the AFC East would be, do I think they will finish with the worst record in the AFC East? And I would definitely not bet that they will. If they had any other coach, though? like if, if No, but he gets the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Like in the same way we said that Draymond Green has sacrificed the benefit of the doubt, Belichick as a coach definitively gets the benefit of the doubt. Now, some of his player acquisition stuff... If you want to question some of the picks they made here, I think that's real. And they've made enough mistakes in recent years that that criticism, or at least that questioning, feels valid. You cannot question Bill as a coach. He remains the best coach. So that goes a long way in all of this. I do not think the short answer to your question is I do not think they will finish last in the division, nor do I think they have any chance of finishing first. All right, what is your next question? My next question is do you think that the Eagles – are now the team to beat in the NFC East. I do. I actually do. I think they have added the two things that they needed. First of all, um, they, they have... They, they, I think that they... I talked to you about N'Kobe Dean yeah. earlier. Like, on the in the third round, they got a first-round linebacker. They never take linebackers in the first round, but they took one in the third round. <laughs> they took a first-round linebacker in the third round. And I'm sort of a believer in Jalen Hurts, which is to say, I don't think he's gonna, you're going to wake up tomorrow and say, oh, he's actually Aaron Rodgers reincarnate. But I also think he's good enough to win with. And they've got great pieces around him. Sanders and Brown now and Devontae Smith and uh, the tight end is really good. Like, they're good. And the offensive line they did some stuff with, right? And they've they got pieces. And I think the Cowboys, I think the way their season ended last year was re- could be very deflating. I certainly don't believe in the coach. Um, I think Dak is, is, is obviously the better quarterback. But you go through the rest of it, I think I would rather have most of the rest of the Eagles players. Yes, I think the answer is yes. The Eagles are the team to beat in the NFCs. Do you? I definitely do. I thought by the end of last season, the Eagles and the Cowboys were pretty comparable. Yeah. Since then, the Eagles have gotten a lot better. The Cowboys have gotten a lot worse, and so it's going to just depend upon whether or not Dak is good or great. If Dak is great, then you know, great quarterback play is going to equal Cowboys win the division again. Nuno, who's the best team in the NFC East right now? Uh, it's the Eagles, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, there is no fortunately <laughs> for you. Why is that so unfortunate? Well, well, I mean, because my Giants, I mean, I'm just hoping the Giants finish in third at this point in time. <laughs> but, but the Giants, you made the point earlier, and I think it's right. They're building. They're starting from the beginning. And that's probably the right thing to do. No more of these Band-Aids, none of that. Don't pick up the fifth-year option on Jones. Let's just start this thing over again. The Giants have put some pieces in place. You're probably not going to win a lot of games this year. Start showing you got it. Let Jones get one more shot at this thing. And if not, you figure out the quarterback next year. And you have to hit the bottom of the pool before you can push your way back up to the top. Mm. They're, they're reaching the bottom of it now. They're now stumbling in the right direction. Well, I, I, they have a chance to be anyway. <laughs> But they're certainly not the team to beat in that division, and neither is Washington. It's a two-team race, and I think the Eagles are the first team. Go. Uh, Do you think the Colts are now the team to beat in the AFC South? Definitely. Definitely. Last year, I was into the Titans because I said, when you send their team off the bus, you got three guys like the old high school, and when those three guys get off the bus, your first thought is, oh, no, we're doomed. Well, two of those guys are gone. They were Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, and A.J. Brown. Julio Jones proved to be what we feared he would be, which is always hurt. 
And now they've traded A.J. Brown. They drafted a kid, Traylon Burks, who is like supposed to be the next A.J. Brown, and maybe he will be, but those are few and far between. If it was easy to find A.J. Brown, everyone would have one. So that's a terrible loss. Henry, I mean, hope he remains really good. They drafted a quarterback, which means, you know, is the clock ticking on Tannehill now? The Colts have gotten a lot better, and they were already just as good. And they've added Matt Ryan, and I think they had as good a draft as anybody. Yes, I believe the Colts are the team to beat in that division, which means I think they have a real shot at the one seed, because while everybody in the AFC West is killing each other, and everyone in the (laughs) AFC North is killing each other, I I think Buffalo and Indy have a chance to Hmm. win a lot of divisional games. I think those two teams will fight it out for the one seed. And then lastly, Greeny, give me something big picture, something philosophical. Give me your one, like one big learn from the draft. What did it tell you about the future? All right, so I'm going to steal this from Lewis Riddick, who made this comment uh, on the air, and I think it was exactly right. The wide receiver position has become the most interesting thing in the sport. Everyone desperately needs them. The game is a passing game. You need them. And there are two different kinds of teams. There are those who say, I'm just not paying for it like Kansas City did, and I don't think Green Bay really did this. I think that was about something else. But Tennessee, like, I'm just not going to spend $28 million on a wide receiver when every single year there are five great ones in the draft. And I can get one of those guys, and the difference in the money is greater than the difference in the production. Mm. And I don't know which is right. I don't know which of those is right. But I, I think right now I'll just use my own fandom. If you told me I could either have Tyreek Hill for $30 million, or Garrett Wilson for what he's going to get paid for the next five years, I would take Wilson. And so that, to me, is now the most interesting piece of all of this. And the other thing I would say to throw in a big philosophical point is that at the same time that we're seeing receivers become, you know, for every action, there's an equal opposite reaction. Corners. To see corners go three and four in the draft, that, I think, has become the most valuable position on the defense. And I, I'm the biggest Darrell Rivas fan you'll ever meet in your life, and I think he's the reason that I have always believed this. But I've always said, if you can either give me a shutdown corner or a pass rusher, I'll take the corner. A good coach can figure out a way to get pressure on the quarterback. There are like 10 people in the world who can just take your best receiver basically out of a game. If you can have one of those guys, there's nothing more valuable to have on a defense than that. I'm not sure that isn't the second most valuable thing to have on a team after a quarterback. All right, those are some of my thoughts. Uh, those are my hot takes. They're brought to you by 303 Products. 303 Products has your number with a full line of premium protectants and cleaners. They have everything you need to keep your car looking new longer. We got a green light still to do. We got all the basketball still to do. And Hembo's about to make the biggest mistake of his life. We'll get to all of that as we continue. Screening on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. 
And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is Greeny having a very good day with you. And in 30 seconds, we have a million things to catch up on, which we will. But I'll spend these 30 seconds reminding you that for all the ones who get it done, Granger is here for you and they're always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, along with 24-7 support, experienced staff, curbside pickup at over 250 local branches. And you can get access to product specialists ready to help you track down hard-to-find items. Plus, Granger's commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call 1-800-GRANGER, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Very quickly, as the rest of the country joins us, they are remaking the movie White Men Can't Jump, which I didn't know. And here's what I will say. Two quick thoughts I have on that, Nuno. One, I like that movie. That's an excellent movie. Two, if you have a movie you really like, just re-release it. Just show it again. Like, why did they remake Bad News Bears and Arthur and, like, all these movies that I really liked? We're never going to recapture the magic that those movies were. In fact, I'm offended by the arrogance of thinking you can do it again, but this time better. For example, no one ever says, you ever read A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens? That's a great book. I'm going to rewrite it. Like, no one rewrites books. No one is like, you know, Catcher in the Rye, we could update that a little bit. Maybe Holden will, uh, you know, will be a rapper in this one. So let's rewrite the Catcher in the Rye. Like, no, you wouldn't do that. Because the reason that it's a classic, the reason you're interested in it all these years later, is because it's freaking perfect the way it is. So to remake Arthur or The In-Laws or Bad News Bears, where now white men can't jump, is just not a good idea. Do you think that we should remake the Titanic? We should, right? <laughs> I mean, you know how I feel about Titanic. I hated that movie. But at least if you're going to remake a movie, I understand remaking movies about historically true events because at least you can maybe have a little different take on something that actually happened. But this is just someone's figment of someone's imagination. Like someone just said, hey, let's make up a movie about a guy who goes to a ballpark and a you know, a basketball court and pretends that he can't play and then winds up taking everybody's money and all that kind of stuff. It's a good movie. What? Are you going to watch it? Are you going to watch the remake? Definitely not. At a protest or because no. you just don't want to? I don't want to. I didn't see the remake of Arthur. I didn't see the remake of Bad News Bears. I didn't see the remake of The In-Laws because I know what those movies should be. You're not going to make it better. It's not going to happen. It's the reason that we're even talking about it 30 years later is because it was so good. Leave it. Just put it out there again. Re-release it. What are we doing with ourselves you, here? You're, you are so get off my lawn right now over something that's kind of silly. They, 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 they think they can make money 
on the remake, so they're going to make the no, remake. No, no, you're do. so right, because you know what happens is the youth like you that don't take the time out to, wa- to watch a masterpiece will watch this garbage that they will create, and then be like, and then... And then that ruins it for, like, you should go back and watch the original. Enjoy the original because it was so good. Not whatever they're going to put out there and ruin the original. What is the name of the English guy who they, they remade the movie Arthur with? Dudley Moore. Dudley Moore and Arthur is, in my opinion, one of the seminal performances in the history of the American screen. You can't be better than he was in that movie. And they remade it with that tall English guy. Um, what is his name? Russell he, Brand. Russell Brand. I refuse to see any movie Russell Brand is in now because I'm so mad that he redid that movie. Like, that's just, it's a disgrace to remake that. No one should remake that movie. You can't be better in anything than he was in that. He was perfect. Is Arthur the movie in which you, you asked your, at that time, girlfriend to marry you incorrectly? Yes. That's that, from that, that movie, right? It, it, it happened because of that movie, Got yes. Uh, many, many years later. Because the delivery of those lines are so perfect, you can't. You can't do them better. So the audacity, and I don't know anything about Russell Brand, and, and he, I, I, I'm sure he's funny. Was he dating Katy Perry at some point? Like, I feel like I knew that. I don't know if that's still happening. But whatever it is, <laughs> the point I'm making is it, aff- it offends my sensibility that he deigned to follow in those footsteps. And as a consequence, I won't see any movie he's in. Uh, the job search can be a long, frustrating journey. That's why ZipRecruiter's AI does so much of the work for you. They send you jobs you can apply to with one click, and they pitch your profile to employers. Sign up for free at ZipRecruiter.com. All right, let me go through a couple of the things that we did. The basketball. Because we've been you know, busy with a, mu- a bunch of different stuff here today. Let me say my top three things on the basketball. Number one is I think Draymond Green made his own bed, and that's why he got suspended yesterday. Or not suspended, but thrown out yesterday. Do I think they throw out players? Do I think they throw everyone out of a game because of that? Probably not. Do I think it rose to the level of a flagrant two? Probably not, though it's closer, in my view, than I think a lot of the views of a lot of other people whose opinion I've heard. Legler sounded off on it today. Stephen A. and Jalen were way against it yesterday. I didn't think it was such an egregiously bad call. But I think when you're Draymond Green, you have forfeited the right to say, you know, that's a reputation call. Yes, it is. You have earned the reputation. You deserve the reputation. That's just the truth. So if he got that call based upon the fact that he is Draymond Green, I don't have that much of a problem with that. Do you? No, but I do think that they, I do think they missed it. Like, I don't have a big problem with it, but... It's, you do it's, not think that should have been a flagrant two? No, because it's one of those cases in which like, the spirit of the rule and like, the... Technically, when you read the rule, they got it right. How long have you been watching basketball? My whole life. How many years. times have you seen a person grab someone else's jersey and pull them down with it? Very infrequently. I mean, or almost never. Right. Right? Like that, that, that is a dangerous act. Now, he realizes he's doing right. it as he's doing it, and he tries to grab him and hold him up because he didn't do it on purpose. But again, I'm willing to hear that from a lot of other people before I'm willing to hear it from him. Even so, don't you think we need to have a more shrewd application of the rule in the playoffs? I mean, this is a freaking playoff game. Yeah. It's going to affect stuff much more. I don't care if this is January and, and against the Wizards. Come on. Like, I think yes. A different standard should be applied. I hear you. I guess what I'm trying to say is I would, I would be willing to argue that much more loudly on behalf of practically anyone else. Nuno, quickly, what, what's your take on it? I'll look at it from the Grizzlies aspect. 
the fact that they lost that game yep. doesn't bode well for yeah. them in this series. So I would be kicking myself with the Gri- if I'm the Grizzlies because if you lose game two, you're done. You're not coming back to Memphis in this series. I agree with that. I, I agree. That, that If you don't win that, if not now, when? Like, if you don't win the game where Draymond Green gets thrown out and Steph has a bad day and Clay has a, the worst day of his life and misses two foul shots at the end and you're at home, like that, I agree. I love Memphis. I love John Morant. I love him. I'm sitting in a hotel room last Wednesday night. By my, was it Tuesday or Wednesday when he had the dunk? Whatever night it was. I'm in a hotel room in Caesars Palace, not feeling well, by myself taking NyQuil because I want to make sure that I'm at my best for the draft. I'm lying in a bed by myself watching that. Pl- and when he did that dunk that Ian called a jawbreaker, I shouted aloud. I'm alone in a room. And I could not not scream aloud and start FaceTiming people. Like that, he's electric. I love him. I love that kid. He is the throwback of all throwbacks. That's takeaway number one. Takeaway number two, um, I thought Boston was going to win this series with Milwaukee, and then yesterday happened, and I no longer think that. Mm. And then takeaway three, and this is the one I want to give you a minute on, I feel bad for Joel Embiid. I really do. That guy wants it so badly. I really admire him. Um, I'm not necessarily a fan of the team. I, I would give a, really care about it one way or the other, but I kind of root for him. And for him to have these injuries back to back, I mean, to have his eye, his orbital socket broken with four minutes left in a 30 point game is a terrible thing. And this on the back of the, I, w- I already thought that the ligament in his thumb was going to doom them. Now he's got this and he's not even making the trip to Miami for games one and two. They're done. And I feel terrible for him. They have a 0% chance to win either game one or game two. Joel Embiid, if you look at the plus minus, anytime he's on the floor, the Sixers do great. And anytime he's not, they can't hold a lead worth a darn. And I don't think they have almost any shot without him unless somehow, some way, James Harden pretends like he wants to be there. When you make the trade... During the season, it's because he can, you know, he can affect the, the you know, chase to the championship this year. And just in case the Sixers are compromised in any way, he's got to step up. Well, this is a golden opportunity. There's no reason for me to believe that he will. But if there was ever a chance for James Harden to show everybody that he's still James Harden, it's game one and two of the series where the Sixers could steal one and give themselves a shot. Uh, Nuno, any chance of that? Uh, no, and I feel bad for Embiid, but I don't feel bad for the Sixers because you know what this is? This is karma. This is or all what? those. This is all those years that you purposely threw games, season after season after season, and and started this tanking thing, and were and were vocal about it. And this is, you know, you reap what you sow, and I feel like this is they're getting what they sowed. Payback for the process, yeah, exactly. Hembo. It's payback for the process. Yeah, I mean, I'm not interested in hearing that, but it is true that the Sixers all this whole time, have never reached the conference finals. And even with Embiid, I I think Miami's just better, to be honest with you. Miami, we've not talked about that much. That team is freaking good, and they're well-coached. I mean, the Sixers would have to really outplay them. But with a fully healthy Embiid, I think that was they had a chance. Oh, sure, they had a chance. I mean, I don't think that was a 70-30 series. I think that was like a 55-45 series. Maybe so, but you're right. For for, for it to happen to that guy, like Joel Embiid has done everything right. I agree. The entire process. I love him. He gets spurned for for MVP for 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 all the different stuff. Like there's so like he's got the whole thing right in front of him, and for this like it's just a battle of attrition. The playoffs are so long; it's just going to come down to like whose stars don't get hurt. It's it's really a shame. And then the final thing that I wanted to mention today is I want to offer my congratulations, and I know everyone who listens to this program will share in this. 
to both Paul and Elizabeth Hembakitis on the announcement that they made last week. You very conveniently waited until I was on a plane to Vegas, knowing I wouldn't be here for the rest of the week, to announce to the world that you are expecting your first children. And I say it that way. You are not expecting a child. You are expecting two children. You have identical twins on the way. Greeny, Liz and I are expecting identical twin girls at the end of September. Yes. So our family is going to double in size one day in September. Congratulations. Thank you very much. It's a wonderful thing. I, I, I do not have twins, obviously. I do have two children. I am married, as you know, to an identical girl twin. Mm. She and her, and, her, and her sister are identical twins. And they are the two closest people I know. I, I, in a serious moment, I wish for you that. The, the relationship the two of them have is unlike anything I've ever seen. Um, certainly anything I've ever been aware, you know, anyone I've ever met. I've never met two closer people in my life than the two of them are. And I wish that for you and your girls. So that's obviously wonderful. Period. New paragraph. Now tell everyone what you said to me in the office this morning. So I've given a lot of thought to this in September now. Obviously, my life is going to change fundamentally. And the day these two girls are born, I've given a lot of thought to how I went to how I went to take in that experience. Cut to the chase. I think I'm going to be a south of the equator guy. I think I want to see those two in 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 <laughs> In that moment, and it's going to take a lot to talk me out of it, Greeny. There aren't words to describe what a mistake you are making. Now, this obviously is an old Mike and Mike thing. We had these conversations a million times, and that's why I'm particularly ashamed of you because you sat there and listened to us have this conversation all the time. But I will once again issue my words of caution to expectant fathers everywhere. You want to remain at all times north of the equator. You want to be in the room. You want to mop a brow. You want to hold a hand. You want to offer words of encouragement. You do not want to leave your wife alone in the room to have these children without you. Don't get me wrong. But you don't want to know what's going on down there. You don't want any part of being in Peru, Brazil, Argentina, Australia. You don't want any. Go to Canada. You want to go up north. You're going to Switzerland, like the Nordic countries. You want to be up by the face? You want to be staring her eye to eye in this most... Let, let her be looking directly at you, which I guarantee you she will not be, in, in this magical moment when she is now doing all the work and you're sitting there like an idiot just hoping everything turns out okay. I'm telling you right now, you do not want any part of what's going on down there. It is as simple as that. I got expecting, I got dads in the room. Am I right? Anyone, I defy you to tell me I'm wrong. Defy. Rich, were you north or south of the equator when your kids were born? What do you mean, um? What, what? That's an easy answer. <laughs> was he even there? There's no um. You were both. Which one did you prefer, Canada or Peru? Which one did you like better? Which experience did you find more pleasing? Someone had to videotape Peru? What? The, 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 I'm going to tell you right now. Who the hell are you showing that to? <laughs> what are you doing with that videotape? Someday you're going to show your kids, oh, look, I want to show you something. This was the first instant of your life. That's the worst thing you could ever do to a human. Who wants to see that? Who? There's no Disney version. No one wants to see that, Rich. Brandon, north or south of the equator? You're in Iceland. Atta boy. Stay up there, baby. Stay up north. 
You don't want any part of what's going on down there. I'm telling you right now, Hembo, it's a disaster area. You don't want to know. You want to be up there. You want to hold a hand. So I'm, I have, what did you say the due date is? September 30th? September 30th. Yeah, because it's very close to, in time to my daughter's birthday. It's, I, I know everything about this. So, so I have, whatever that is, five months mm-hmm. to dissuade you of this notion. Because I'm telling you, you are about to venture into a territory in which you do not belong. <laughs> and a mistake you will never be able to unmake. So I'm, th- this is my advice to you and to everyone within the sound of my voice. That's today's message. Uh, have a delightful day, and we'll see you back in Better Than Ever tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.